Here's the big question this show answers. How do we leverage technology and human science to positively impact our personal and professional life? The tech human experience has the answer. Here's your host, Inc. 5000 tech founder, neuroscience junkie, and Navy SEAL wannabe, Javier Guerra. Hello, my fellow tech humans. Today's guest is an accomplished cybersecurity executive with experience in both Fortune 100 and startup companies. And he is adept at leading multicultural, diverse teams. As the Vice President of Security and Compliance, aka Chief Information Security Officer at Skooks, he has developed technical compliance programs and implemented cutting-edge SaaS and cloud cybersecurity practices. Please welcome Mark Kajiwara. Thanks for thanks for your time today, Mark. Thank you, Javier. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, likewise. Looking forward to our conversation here today. So just to get started, did you know that as uh, as of 2021, 95% of cybersecurity breaches are caused by human error? What do you think is the most effective way to address this problem? I think right now it's really about training and awareness and not so much in the traditional sense of just handing out uh, you know, some video for people to click through, but really kind of showing how the training out there will help them not only from a work security standpoint, but from their own personal account standpoint, uh, just with the ubiquity of all the attacks and the things that are happening, trying to help people understand and correlate it to their own daily lives has helped us here. Uh, a lot of that as well as helped is to help them understand that they're part of the security program. Uh, there are eyes and ears. There's three, 400, 500 of them. There's eight of us on a team generally in a cybersecurity program. And so trying to help them feel a good part of what's going on and feel very comfortable reaching out to us and becoming a part of that has been a big deal along with that more interactive training and trying to correlate it to their daily lives has been a big help for us to keep the insider threat landscape a little bit more muted, I think, than a lot of other companies. So it's, you know, as far as the human element on cyber teams, right, this is something that's near and dear to my heart because, you know, it's very easy to become hyper-focused on the technology. Uh, but with all of the statistics out there saying that the majority of breaches are really caused by human error, you know, what do you think we need to shift our mindsets, I guess, you know, moving forward to to really tackle that that root problem of the human error component from a maybe from a cultural perspective or from you I mean maybe not so much on the training side but more of on maybe new tools that maybe need to be implemented or some sort of cultural framework that can be pushed throughout the entire organization any anything coming to mind for you on that um, it's a good question i think that one thing is trying to make security more accessible. I think the old ways are thinking that it's very technical, it's very difficult, but you know, helping people understand that simple things on how to create a better password using phrases they can remember, uh, setting up SMS or MFA type of uh, things that will help them not have to remember passwords but make them more secure that everybody uses their phone. So trying to make it more accessible versus trying to keep it veiled and more of the old isolated 
this is the security team and they're going to come after you if you don't know something. We're trying to help educate everybody because the understanding really is it's going to happen. Uh, you can fish anybody at any time. Uh, a breach is going to be inevitable if you don't get people involved with you. And so you really want to get people to feel that it's not as scary or as technical, understand the ease that they could help protect organizations. And then also on the other side, try to limit sometimes what a user is able to do in the system. So from a technical perspective, we want you to be safe, but we also want to contain where you're accessing, how you're going. So a lot of the compliance things that we'll put in place and controls, a lot of limitations with the systems and trying to force certain aspects to keep you where we need, you know, where you want to be to work, but not allowing those other channels where something could go wrong because human error is just part of daily life and everything that we do. Oh yeah. We're not perfect. <laughs> it never will be. No. Yeah. So, so let's dive in. Uh, today's topic is building effective cybersecurity teams and maturing security programs for today's changing environment. And this episode will explore Mark's journey in the cybersecurity field, discuss the challenges of assembling and managing diverse cybersecurity teams, and dive into best practices for developing mature security programs to adapt to the rapidly changing landscape of cybersecurity threats. Join us as we navigate the human side of information security and learn from Mark's experience in evolving technology and teams to combat the challenges ahead. So Mark, you know, in the context of this topic and, you know, what we really want to talk about today, how, how has the evolution of the threat landscape influenced the way cybersecurity teams operate and tackle security incidents? Um, I think from where we're at from a threat landscape now, technology's really accelerated the ease of which attacks can happen. Um, it's not as technically advanced of very easy hacks, very easy attacks can be generated from GUI screens, from tutorials. There's a lot more information out there that just wasn't there before. So mm -hmm. Googling how to do XSS attacks or SQLi attacks, Google will tell you now. And I think the ease of that information and the tools that are out there and that ubiquity of that has just expanded who's now going to be attacked. You, you have certain attackers that can get their attacks to, sorry, it's a bad word, but like their attacks to multiple targets now. They don't have to focus mm -hmm. on one. They can spread it out across the, the internet. And so now smaller shops, small SMBs, companies that you wouldn't think have valuable information if you could only attack one target when you can attack anybody, then you can spread that attack landscape out. So now I think smaller teams, smaller companies need to be really aware that they are in that line of fire now, whereas a few years ago, they might not have been. And so really trying to prepare teams at all levels, prepare companies from all sizes to be able to detect and respond to those is something that we want to always strive for in the incident response programs that are getting built out there. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely changing at a rapid pace. And you know, it's crazy because right, right now what's going on is there's a lot of organizations that are, that are cutting back. And I've even heard of some 
some organizations that are cutting back on their security teams. Uh, so it's like, you know, because of the state of the economy and the uncertainty out there, you know, maybe some security teams are getting cut, but at the same time, the threat of attacks is accelerating and expanding. So that's, a, it's an interesting dynamic that's going on right now. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see how things are going to play out for sure. Uh, you know, and that, that kind of leads me into another question here. So, you know, having to do with AI technologies, such as chat GBT, of course, is everybody's talking about right now, you know, as far as making certain tasks easier from a chat GPT perspective, you know, including potential attacks, right? Where these things can be automated, attacks can be automated. And like you said, you know, making other smaller companies that maybe not have, maybe were not as appealing or attractive to hackers. Now it's a lot, so much easier to automate these attacks uh, and, and kind of attack multiple or more entities, you know, with less effort, you know, can you share your insights on how, you know, AI is transforming the threat landscape and what cybersecurity teams should consider when addressing these new challenges? I think you had a really good point on it's, it's really making everything much easier in all aspects of life from universities to medical uh, mm -hmm. coding and to security. Right. And so with it becoming more and more prevalent, and just the ease of use for anybody to start using this in for good and for bad, I think what we want to do is start to leverage that as well. And security teams, we're always looking for force multipliers, right? We're, we're always going to be outnumbered no matter what we do. So complaining about budget or cutbacks is kind of always a moot point. It's really trying to find force multipliers, expanding the knowledge, and then really, I think, expanding to the executive team where their risks really lie. Uh, you know, you don't have to put Fort Knox if you're not holding credit card data and you're not doing transactional data, but all data is very important to whoever's paying you to store it. And having management understand there's levels of threats, uh, there's work effort that, you know, script kitties are going to just pass on by and not bother with you. So just general security programs, making sure there's passwords for everybody, rotating them, educating your departments and having executive management at least understand what the bare minimum level to fund and protect versus we want to protect everything because even if you had unlimited budget, you're still outnumbered. And so that's kind of where I think the education on how easy it will be for AI to take over attacking, but also there's going to be companies that leverage AI to help block that. It's it's yeah. always going to be a cat and mouse game and just trying to leverage that to help you out, I think is a big win in an organization of any size for, for better or for worse. Yeah, I literally just had this conversation on the call before this with my team and I said, you know, guys, we have to get, you know, a little bit more serious about our security training and, and uh, our practices to make sure that we're following processes, procedures, you know, we have a lot of very robust, we have a good robust security program in place, you know, specifically some of our larger fortune 100 clients make us literally jump through rings of fire backwards, you know, to do business with them from a, you know, being locked down from a security perspective, but we're, you know, we're constantly looking at ways to continuously improve. And, and so we're actually looking at a new platform right now to, to give our employees training to continuously you know get stronger and stronger in that space as this as this all unfolds it's going to be interesting to watch 
you know, as, as far as the, uh, the advancements in technology, the rapid advancements in technology, how do you ensure your team stays up to date with, you know, the changes with training, new knowledge, right? Latest tools, techniques, trends. Yeah, I, I think it's not a good question. Uh, I feel like within security and technical realms, we're all curious by nature. And so a lot of that is providing ways they can get training, uh, helping them go to conferences or be able to subscribe to different uh, training programs and what may be out there for them, but also allowing them that freedom to go explore those things and to try to help them also go to the training that will help us as a cloud company. Uh, we're very on the cutting edge. So Docker, Kubernetes, containers, but helping them learn things that they're really curious about anyways, I find that is the best and most effective way to provide them the ability to go look for things, provide them the, uh, you know, the tools to go take that training. And then just by nature, we're always trying to learn and because that's what keeps us really engaged to our job. And so that kind of program has been really successful um, throughout my career to help provide to my teams. So, you know, if I guess, you know, let's just talk about leveraging technology to automate, um, you know, like kind of do more with less in a sense, you know, the way I, the way I talk about it is, you know, it's, it, technology is great in, in a sense that you can automate a lot of things or automate menial tasks and, and then focus more of your time and attention on more strategic objectives, you know, but do you have any advice for the audience on maybe what technologies can be leveraged to automate certain things to help them maybe do more with less, you know, in any, any contest, not in any, any specific area, but, you know, maybe just some advice on how listeners could potentially leverage some sort of technology to automate and, and uh, kind of free up some time for themselves. Yeah, I would, I, I would, I go back to my teams with this all the time in that good process and efficient process is what you want to start with and then okay. look at how to automate that through what we have, right? Bass scripting, whatever it may be before trying to look at a tool or a technology first to help automate something that's not efficient in the first place. And what also I challenge my teams to look at are where's the value add? What can we do that makes sense to automate, create that process efficiency, and then go find a tool versus things that we really still want to have our pulse on at all times. And so a lot of times, you know, companies will hire a 24 by seven SOC team and that automates the back end. You give that to an expert team to watch what's happening, but you still want a human element to know how that impacts you because they're going to send alerts that they think are important. But unless your team knows what to do with them, how to triage and risk assess what's really happening, you don't want to automate that whole process altogether yet because yeah. it's just a different type of mentality. Um, I'm not big on tools to fix things. I'm big on process and then finding a tool that fits that to fix it and make it more efficient. Makes total sense because the technology is not as smart as the human, right? At least in, you know, the vast majority of the areas. And, uh, but I, t I totally agree with that. It, it's basically fine. It's understanding kind of what, you, what you're trying to accomplish, having those processes and those checksums in place, and then seeing maybe if you can make one area here or there more efficient because um, the technology is definitely not 
quite there yet from a level of intelligence to just automate everything for sure. So, you know, the future of your industry and, and you know, don't answer this um, if you don't want to, but like from what you can talk about, you know, what, what do you see for the future of your industry and how is your company shaping the future? Um, it's, a, it's another good insight. Um, I think that what I see happening in the future is the human element will still need to be there. I think we need to leverage AI for what it can help with, but not believe that we can just, you know, put the new advanced chat GPT and say, Hey, protect my website and it will do it. Um, we still need to architect. We still need to have a good discussion on what makes sense. We still need the human element to risk assess what we need to do for a company. Um, I think from just a general perspective, trying to evolve and look where not today and what's going to be automated and look at it from a negative perspective, it's, it's going to create a whole new genre of security or in our case for our company, a whole new learning management type of thought process. And so I always want to push the envelope to see and give the things that we don't do or we don't need to do to AI or to the technology and then figure out how to make things better going forward. And so it's kind of a broad answer, but it's really just what came before us. Let's just move on and try to expand what we can do forward. And that's what I try to push my teams to do most of the time. Yeah, I love that. So, you know, another, this is a question that's kind of, you know, that is kind of dear to my mind, so to speak right now. It, it's, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm working to wrap my head around, you know, my background, I have a, you know, I've been in technology for years, but before technology, I was in basically in medicine, so to speak, you know, studying different things in biological systems and, and preparing for medical school. Uh, ended up getting into technology, but I really see the parallels of the human body and physiology and psychology, all that baked into technology, organizations, teams, technologies in general. But, you know, it, my, the fact that I have so much knowledge on the inner workings of the human and psychology and just human science and behavior, I see that that is critical when it comes to anything security. It's critical when it comes to AI. It's critical when it comes to data science. And so as time goes on, I'm just seeing this clearer and clearer. And I'm like, I need to go out and, you know, potentially go get a master's degree in, in some area in one of these areas or go through some boot camps. But what I'm trying to figure out is like, you know, where would I start first? Right. So from to help the audience that may be struggling or thinking about like getting into one of these areas, whether it be security, data science, uh, AI, where do you like what would you think that would make the most sense right would if you knowing what you know and where you've been and you've seen the evolution of technology and where you believe the future is going which one would you start with would you start with maybe going and getting some sort of security training would you go to ai would you go to data science where would you go first i think this this question comes a lot up um from people I mentor or colleagues that are trying to get into the security field or any tech field or any field itself. But mm -hmm. I think really what makes sense is what interests that person, mm -hmm. uh, what do they want to deal with? Do they want, do they like the pure technical aspect and 
running statistics and seeing things and how can that make life better or a company better, then I would push that person to more data science. I think mm-hmm. if you're really big on protection and securing people and organizations and you feel that kind of protective stance, then obviously security is where you would want to be. If you're a curious mind and you really just want to explore and you still like the technical part, then you want to join you know, red team programs and start looking there. So it's kind of where if you have interest in it, then that's where I would start and see how that channels out. Does this boot camp give me the foundation? Does it get me to where I'm always going to be curious? Because if you're just looking at what's popular or what may be lucrative, but you don't really like doing it or you don't want to, you're not going to be as good and as successful as if it's an area that it really does interest you, whether it's the human element, data science, whether it's pure cybersecurity. And so that's kind of where I sit with the people that I work with to make sure that it's, they, they want to do it. Um, because, yeah. you know, as you get more advanced, it's not difficult, but it takes a lot of time and it does take a lot of passion to get through some of the harder parts once you run into those. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. So let's, uh, let's dive into a little bit more kind of human centric questions and kind of bring it full circle here when building cybersecurity teams from scratch, what qualities or skills do you prioritize in team members and how do you like, how do these contribute to the overall effectiveness of the team? Uh, That's a good question too. So uh, I I think when you're, you're trying to envision what team you need, it's, it's really about understanding the company where it sits, what its risks are, uh, what your client's obligations are, and also trying to look two or three steps ahead of where does that company want to be and to have an optimistic stance that it will get there. Um, I think from there, you start to develop your vision for how the org structure should be. And we have to look at it from a couple of perspectives. One is, are there pure technical skills that you have to have that are immutable? Uh, are you in the fully cloud environment? Do you need AWS or GCP expertise that you cannot do without? Then you start to look at that as a core competency. And then you start to look at areas where you still need them to work in a team. What are their personality traits? What's the culture of the company? And you start to kind of formulate what you can do without and what you cannot. And then you go to the marketplace and you find a team of people that sometimes you can work with them if they're highly motivated and they love things to do and put them in a place where they have room to grow. And other times you just need somebody that can just come in and plug in and help run a web application firewall right away. And so trying to get that team together, I think is first and foremost. And then Really what I try to motivate my teams are is we we work as a unit. Um, we take team successes more than anything. And it's a lot of trust as well that I have their best interests at heart for their career. I work with them to see where they want to be. And I try to develop skills that will help them be successful in the company. And then as well outside and, you know, making sure they have industry certifications, go to trainings, things like that that if we can't accelerate their career fast enough, they're still able to get to where they want to be. And I found that that's very motivational for the, for the teams that I've led lately. 
Yeah, I like that. And, you know, I th- one of the things that I think is extremely important for cyber teams, I mean, for any team really, but but specifically for cyber is um, it's just really the problem solving abilities, right? The, the, the solutions mindset versus the problem mindset, right? Of somebody that's going to encounter a problem and then always look to, f- to solve that problem and, and look at it from different areas, you know, because it's just changing and evolving so quick and you really can't, it, it's really hard to train that, right? It's just, there's just certain types of people that they look at problems and they, more so kind of just buckle or, you know, they'll give up quicker versus somebody that just loves the challenge of solving those problems and is energized by, you know, the opportunity to do that. So, you know, how, how do you foster a positive inclusive work culture within your team and what benefits have you seen from having team members with different backgrounds and perspectives can you share any like real world examples of that or just your viewpoint on it? Yeah, I, I think one, one thing that we've tried to foster here is communication. Um, I'm in a fortunate position where I oversee groups that in other companies might be under different leadership. So I have the audit, the compliance and IT teams. I also have the cybersecurity program and some privacy uh, constituents as well. And so what I try to drive is communication across those teams so that what's happening in privacy does have an impact on how we protect data. So security can help that team and protect what we need to do, or they can notify security of what's going on. Uh, The same thing with compliance in that they'll know the contracts or the audits that we have to do and to make sure that we're always kind of overseeing that as a whole. And so what I've really tried to drive is just that communication, working as one unit and trying to set very clear and concise goals that we want to make as a team to help the company. And I think focusing on that and also holding, you know, general one-on-ones, making sure that the career aspects are being met and we can help people kind of, you know, see the end game, how it's positive for them, how it's positive for the company has really helped to kind of drive that cohesiveness uh, throughout the team that I've built. And I'm really proud of that, the team for that, for sure. Do, do you have any advice for the listeners of, you know, how to get can you backtrack? So, you know, communication is a very challenging skill set to develop, right? Because all of us have really our own perceptions, our own upbringings, our own viewpoints on the world. And, you know, I've done a lot of work in this space and I've I've actually helped leaders do a lot of work in this space. But when we're communicating something to someone else, they don't always hear what we think they're hearing from us. Do you have any tips on how to maybe improve communication, any type of a, you know, process or I don't know, a mindset for communication to help the audience really to maybe try something new that they maybe haven't tried before? I'm pretty sure there's nothing new. I think what's really helped us is having very clear directions, having a clear goal and making sure that that's understood um, where we have to get to. And then being open to, like you said, other people's backgrounds, perspectives. And as a leader, or if you're managing the project or that's your deliverable, I try to make sure that people understand that there's a goal we have to hit. There's a deadline. There's a metric to quality that we have to get to, especially in security, because if we don't, catastrophic things can happen. 
But what I want to drive is take aside how you want to do it versus how others would help you get there better or faster. And there's going to be times where we want to do things the way we, we know because we know it will work and we don't have a choice. But most of the times it's really understanding that getting input and trying to work together to get there may actually make a better product. And that's what I've tried to help with the program and especially my own mindset of I know one way and I know it works, but motivating people to get to the same end and letting them have that ability and that freedom to get there. I think is the better way from a leadership perspective um, than kind of top down. And that's been really helpful and successful. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that approach for sure. It's um, you know, teams are teams are a dynamic, like evolving animal. I like to say, and it, it's like every team is different. You know, this is something that, you know, we practice uh, being able to measure our teams and having, you know, we use a framework, an operational framework that really helps us to align the teams. And like you said, making sure that the expectations are very clear, the mission is very clear, the goals are very clear. And we really reinforce that on a quarterly basis and, and make sure that we're realigning and calibrating that team moving forward and resetting the priorities, but all, but also making sure that we're measuring those results as we're going. Because if you're not measuring it, it's very difficult to, you know, know if you're being successful or not or or where you need to improve so you know we're lucky to have that you know really good framework that we operate on internally on uh, eos entrepreneur operating system it, it really helps to align the team and keep us on track focusing on the right things for sure so so mark you know for a final question here we're getting we're getting close up on time but you know from a a cyber cyber security perspective um, or just, you know, let's just say from a technology perspective in general, what, what technology does the world need that doesn't exist yet? Just any type of technology it could be for personal use, you know, business use, whatever. That one, I don't know if I have a good answer for, I would have said, um, you know, like AI is the big thing right now, but yeah. I think it's yeah. really for us as people to leverage it, to make things better. Yeah. yeah. You see what, what are we doing that we don't need to do on a day-to-day -day basis? What could we automate? What could we task AI with doing? And then taking that to the next technology, whatever it may be in that helping kind of, you know, take away things that we don't need to burn, you know, menial time on anymore. Yeah. And giving people the freedom to really start to create that next tranche of technology that will, you know, help us, you know, kind of move forward. Yeah, there's so many problems that are going to be accelerated and solving now because of this. And I mean, you're just seeing so many new technologies being based on AI automation or just AI in general uh, coming out of the woodworks. So it's going to be really interesting to see both what like what problems it's helping to solve, but then also what problems that it's potentially creating at the same time. So it's, you know, it's the, the double-edged sword, of course, but, uh, I'm definitely jumping in and, and, you know, using this, this, uh, more accessible, easier to use technology to help me to, you know, pump out things and do things much quicker and actually training, 
training staff to to leverage it as well to help them save some time. So it's exciting times. It's interesting to see how this is all going to play out over these next, man, it, it, I was going to say over the next few years, but it's almost like it's interesting to see how it's going to play over the next six to 12 months. It's, yeah. it's moving so quick. It's crazy. For sure. So Mark, what are you up to right now and how can people reach you? Um, I'm just up to, you know, working and trying to expand my horizons and the security, um, you know, learning that I've got to do to help myself and the company. Uh, the main re- way to reach me is really through my LinkedIn profile under Mark Kajiwara. That's probably the main way that I can get to be reached. Uh, I don't have a big social media presence, obviously, but um, that's kind of where where I can be reached. And I'd love to help anybody out there if they have questions or just to chat about things. I do appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's funny because it's you know we we work with a lot of security leaders and security teams and. You know, they're not all over the internet like a lot of the other, the other professionals we work with. But, but, uh, Mark, thanks. You know, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your insights. Audience, be sure to check out Mark's work and follow him on social media. Social media handles and web addresses will be posted in the show description. As a recap, today we discussed the evolving threat landscape of cybersecurity with AI and machine learning and the importance of staying educated and up-to-date with the latest technologies and best practices, and got some great insights on building effective cybersecurity teams. This information is only going to do you good if you take action on it. So, you know, follow thought leaders in the space and stay informed and engaged with the latest trends and innovations. Take the time to get to know your teammates on a personal level such as their hobbies, interests, and family life to build stronger bonds within the teams and foster more inclusive workplace culture. Uh, but take action, people. There's a lot of great technologies that are coming out that are more accessible. It, it's, it is empty in the ocean with a teaspoon. So just you know, pick one thing and just start using it. Try using it to improve one area or one task, and it will become easier and easier. And last but not least, don't forget to help your fellow tech humans share this podcast and follow me on LinkedIn at Javier Guetta 360. See you next time on the Tech Human Experience. The Tech Human Experience. 